0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
1: And welcome to another hour dedicated to the idea of enlightenment and whatever it might mean to actually be enlightened. This is an hour for those who persevere in their unflinching pursuit to be true to the proclamation, Know Thyself. For this is an hour devoted to exploring the edge of consciousness and all that is implied thereof, including the possibility that everything we have known is, in fact, false. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, every week I read some of your letters as our way of paying respect to the role you play in helping us to improve our show in every way. Last week, our show was all about my new book, What If? The Challenge of Self-Realization. We were celebrating the official release of the book with a special launch party, and I want to thank all of you for your support. The book is already an international bestseller. Thanks to you, all of you. I am still trying to catch up and acknowledge all of the email and letters I received in the past week. I am honored and humbled by your trust and endorsements. I was with George Nury on Coast to Coast until 2 a.m. in a great exchange about the book. I grabbed a couple of hours of sleep. Then on to provocative enlightenment, and well, from there it was a solid week on somebody's show somewhere. Each visit seemed to stimulate more letters. I can't possibly adequately express my gratitude to all of you, but I will share a few of your letters. Donald wrote, You were awesome with George Nury. Thank you for that great conversation. Michael wrote, Your books and writing are always on target, insightful and inspirational. Lacree wrote, your work is phenomenal, and I follow you and the Hay House gang as much as I can. Charles wrote, I downloaded your new book, and even if I cannot apply for the prize drawing, your book is a prize just in itself. It is entertaining and profound thank you. You know, in the country I live, one tends to seek support in oneself and needs to ask, what if, more than once. Anna wrote, thank you very much for changing this lifetime for me. Autumn wrote, I won your book from New Sky Radio the other day. It's phenomenal. Thank you so much. Tanya wrote, Loving this book, amazing as I just got, know thyself, tattooed on my wrist in Greek. The day before the pre-order for this book found me. Hope wrote, Thanks, Eldon, for radiating the pursuit of clarity. Your effort is inspiring to me. Sam wrote, I had a giant breakthrough the other night about my inner thoughts. I heard you on George Nury. I'm going to purchase everything you have. Don't spend too much. Jan wrote, I heard Eldon Taylor on Coast to Coast, and he was a fascinating listen. I have been waiting for years for someone who is with his intellectual prowess to come along. Thank God for the miracle I found in listening to this insightful man. I will try to live up to that one, Jan. Suzanne wrote, I love your Hay House radio show, voice of reason in an unreasonable world. Thank you. Jackie wrote, thank you, Elden, for all you have done and continue to do to educate and empower us to set ourselves free to the truth. And finally, Lisa wrote, I loved your last show where you helped the caller with your advice. That would be you, JJ. I liked how you told her the story of how you helped another woman literally transform her life when nobody else could help her by telling her to help other people. I agree with the caller when she said that she was waiting for you to perform your magic. It's true. It was a good show. Once again, I am very grateful to all of you for your letters and continuing support. All right, let's turn uh, to today's show and our special guest. Many of you know her and are familiar with at least something about her. She, too, has a new release published by Hay House, and it's all about the magic and meaning in your personal story, that of your own life. Indeed, one might even think about this book as a guidebook or a mapping method designed to facilitate uncovering the true meaning and value in one's personal life story. She bills herself as author, intuitive counselor, psychic medium, seminar leader, radio personality, motivational speaker, and musical recording artist. And I love her music. In her book, Remembering the Future, the reader discovers that she has not always been the rock star that she is today. Indeed, shame and pity from her own drug and alcohol abuse Dealing with the rage remaining from being raped, her confusing psychic gifts, etc. and so forth, all led her to disclose, and I quote, I saw myself as a secret contestant in the Miss Victim of the World pageant, close quote. That said, from out of those ashes, she has soared and continues to do so with her newest book, The Map, Finding the Magic and Meaning in the Story of Your Life, I'm speaking, of course, of the one and only Colette Baron Reed. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Colette.
0: Hi, thank you, Eldon. Thanks so much for having me. And congrats again on your new book. It's so exciting to see how many people are getting affected by your work. So I think it's great that we're both out there doing what we do.
1: I do too. I love your new book. So, and congratulations on it. Uh, best-selling author uh, that you are, I'm not at all surprised that it is uh, is as comprehensive and yet uh, as easy to understand as your book is. I I enjoyed it thoroughly. So, Thanks. But for our audience, let's start out, if we may, by having you share some of who you are mm-hmm. and what your personal ambitions might be today.
0: Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, so, well, it's a, it's kind of a long story about who I am. Who am I? What, what would you like me to say about that? Do you want to talk about how I got to where I got to? Who I am? What What do you want me to God, say? It's, it's I a want you story. to
1: take it from where you are.
0: <laughs> from where I am today.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. w- 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 you know, uh, tell us about the Colette Baron. I mean, we all know you do readings and everybody okay, out well, there. No, listen,
0: the, um, I'm uh, today. I really believe I'm a product of changing my beliefs about who I have been, and what my experiences may have been may have dictated my belief system as to who I was, according to my you know what happened to me. I'm really a walking poster girl for change. Really, you know, how do we how we can uh, shift our belief about ourselves and what that would look like on the outside? And today, I'm really. I'm I'm very uh concerned, I think, uh, for people, given the state of the world the way it is, that they not buy into ideas about their lives that may not be true. And so I, I'm a big believer in choosing uh, a path and, and not not being a victim, of course, you know I was one and I'm not today, nor do I even see myself as having been one now from a different perspective. So the book actually um, was written as a, res- as a means to invite people into a different manner in which they could perceive their lives from a particularly different perspective. And, uh, so what I'm excited about now, my ambition, if you will, right now is to be able to touch people at a level that I couldn't do just writing about psychic phenomena per se. I'm talking about things that are much broader than that. I'm talking about what people's psyches, uh, rather than their psychic, um, you know, it's not really so much about anything to do with spiritual phenomena or or psychic work. It has to do everything with their, uh, the way people view themselves. So- it's
1: very down to earth, it's very practical, and, and and I like that. But now you just recently moved from Canada to Sedona, uh, yes. Sedona, Arizona. And uh, why did you move? And and how do you like Arizona? And while we're at it, how did two furry friends, your children, adjust to it?
0: Yeah. Well, I don't live there anymore. Interestingly enough, so I, I'm I have a I'm here on a very uh, wonderful visa, and uh, we are allowed to be in the United States. I, I run a business out of Canada. So um, we got an astrology session by somebody who said, you know, you might like Sedona. It's really good for both you and your husband. So we'd never been there. When I spoke at the I Can Do It in uh, uh, conference in Las Vegas, I uh, uh, looked at my husband and said, "Let's drive to Sedona." So we did, and we lived there for three years. So, and frankly, I actually we moved recently to New Hampshire. So to the sea coast, I couldn't the desert was wonderful and Sedona was absolutely breathtakingly beautiful and I wrote the map there and I created the Wisdom of the Hidden Realms cards there. But um, you know, we're East East Coast people. We're from Toronto originally, so we're really used to this kind of I don't know. It was we were just called out to New Hampshire. I wanted to live by the sea, and now we do for the past so two the weeks. De- okay.
1: Well, I kind of I thought that that might be a little bit of a of an adjustment, and obviously it was. All right. Now, still, yeah. still working on understanding Colette, You know. Okay. Uh, you, you, help us understand the psychic medium gift. I know you struggled with it, um, but what okay, exactly? So- What exactly happens when you, you, um, when you do a reading for somebody, when you have this psychic experience,
0: probably the, um, I'm going to talk about what happened to me originally because uh, you know, if you're maybe none of your listeners know who I am or why my experience, if they haven't read my book. So it's probably good to talk about the Genesis of what happened because it started when I was a small child and, uh, I uh, had my first experience with something that's called retrocognition, which is what kicks in for me when I do a reading, which is knowing detailed information about someone's past. And so um, uh, what I picked up on were were these recurring nightmares. Of course, at the time, I didn't know what it was. It was just a nightmare to me. But I dreamt the same dream all the time about a very skinny man crying at a table with a pile of teeth. I'd lost my baby teeth at that point, so I knew what they looked like, where I started losing them. And uh, teeth and little pieces of metal in another pile, and he was crying. And then the similar man, or, or, or him or men like him, were being shoved into a burning, a giant burning oven. Um, uh, and all the people looked like skeletons. And then I saw body parts, and I saw these big gray balloons drop bombs. Now, I was between, this is between ages three and five. Now, I was raised in Toronto. I was born in Canada. There was no war. I I didn't have television at that point either. My parents didn't have a TV, so um, there's no way I could have seen that. Actually, when I was five, we got a black and white television. So, twenty years later, all well, all I remember at the time is my mom didn't want to pick me up. It was when I had that specific nightmare. She acted very differently towards me. Twenty years later. She told me what the dreams meant. Um, I was raised Christian. My, my sister and I were raised Christian. We were Anglicans. We went to church every Sunday. I went to a Catholic school for two years, wanted to be a nun. And so I was very much indentured into the church. And my mom was actually Jewish. And she didn't tell us we were Jews until, our, until we, I was in my 20s. And she had, been, had a few too many. And blurted out the whole thing about my dream was my grandfather, who was from Paris, was killed in Dachau. And that's exactly what would have happened, that in fact the teeth on the table were pulled out of the heads of these people who were going to be sent to in the incinerators. And um, yeah. the, the the gold were, were used for trinkets for the SS officers. So there's no way I could have known that. And my mom did pick up body parts in Berlin, and those were Zeppelins that I had Seen or like like Zeppelins from the first World War, so right. it was very strange. So, this, the phenomena of the the psychic phenomena is such that if, if you look at that, say that we have cap- the capacity to know things beyond the frame of in- intellect and reason, that there is information that I believe is part of this consciousness that we share that w- many of us can tap into. Um, All right,
1: you. you- you have a, an interesting past, and you have a, a very eclectic set of talents, Colette. So, <laughs> w- what is it that you uh, that gives you the most pleasure? What is it that you do that that is the most pleasing to you?
0: Pleasing? Ah, well, um, you know, it's what pleases me is twofold. Um, recently, I've noticed my skills as a medium has been become very a parent and i get a real kick out of it so i i am if i would say if does it please me it really pleases me first of all that i'm fascinated by the fact that i can do it at all and then it just reminds me that there's so much we don't know about consciousness and it's it's whether it lives or dies and i don't believe it dies at all now i believe it's immortal and the fact that i can really make an impact on people's lives and i feel like i've had a, a second chance so i love doing this um and what really pleases me is hanging out with my husband and my two dogs <laughs>
1: That's wonderful. All right. Now, you know, I want to get to your book, but I, 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 you know, I think everybody, and if everybody doesn't know, Colette has her own show on Hay House. I believe it's on Thursday. Is it not?
0: It is Thursday. Yeah.
1: Okay. And she does readings on that show, and, and you can all, I invite you to go to the show and, and let her do the readings. But uh, as opposed to approach her from her readings, I wanted to get an inside look at Colette. And so now I'm going to ask you the tough one. You're on provocative enlightenment, you know that right. these things are going to come to you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, getting back to the psychic medium bit, what right. do you say to folks that make statements like this one? Where were you on 9-11, the market collapse in 2008, Hurricane Katrina, earthquake in uh, Haiti, or the recent earthquake in Japan? If you can read One Fortune, surely you could read some of these others. What do you say to people that have those kinds of comments?
0: Well, I'm not a fortune teller, for one thing, so, so, um, and uh, my work is, my work serves the individual, so, you know, I've never been uh, interested or particularly in tune with world events, it's just not my specialty, although I have on some radio shows predicted earthquakes, etc., just because it flies out of my mouth, but, um, you know, so my, that, I don't really have an answer to that other than the fact that, this is something that I do that's quite specialized, that I work with individuals. And, um, yeah, I mean, and then maybe there are certain things that are not predictable. But I can say that I had, around those times, I had very specific physical experiences before. But, you know, world events is something I've always kind of stayed out of, to be honest.
1: So have you ever got it wrong? Have you ever given somebody a reading and it's been all wet?
0: Not really. Um Have I got it wrong? I think my, my, I always believe that the reading is accurate. And actually, my readings are very accurate, but the interpretation of what I see may be inaccurate. So, and my readings are more about helping people make decisions, Eldon. And not, I'm not a fortune telling predictive reader where I'm giving people, um, that type of spin which is one of the reasons I've, I've really been reticent to talk about or to call myself a psychic until recently I've, I've only just started to own the word because of the stereotype I'm of that, something okay. just, I'm going to
1: have to ask you to hold that we're coming up on a break Colette I know how you do that I invite everybody to go to your webpage. there are links on uh, eldentaylor.com and, and please follow those links you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment on Hay House Radio we're discussing the map finding the magic and meaning in the story of your life with author Colette Baron read Uh, as i said there are links in the chat room that'll lead you to her books her website etc do check them out remember the movie we'll be right back after these words from our friends so stay tuned
2: every day every moment we face choices yet how many of those choices are truly our own Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions, now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that change your inner self talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner Talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I N N E R T A L K.com. Innertalk.com
0: Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor.
1: Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing an excellent book, The Map, Finding the Magic and Meaning in the Story of Your Life, with the ever-so-popular musical artist, psychic medium, author, Colette baron reed But before we get fully back to today's show, I want to invite you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan of the show, you'll receive special announcements and incentives from time to time as our way of thanking you for your support. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there, and, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I also have a new blog at the Huffington Post, and I would be honored if you would uh, become a fan of my post. You can find me easily. Just search Eldon Taylor once you're at the Huffington Post. Okay, let's get back to our show. If you were in the chat room, you saw a short video. Uh... In a moment, I'm going to ask Colette about White Lies. But first, I want you to hear some of her music. Uh, This piece is among my favorites. Uh, Indeed, I learned just before we went on the air that it's her favorite, too. It's called State of Grace. Enjoy. You could put me to sleep, Colette. I love your music. I love your sound. Everybody everybody out there, you know, you want to be sure and check out her releases. Uh, that was a BMI recording or from your BMI album, was it not?
0: No, it was EMI. No, I mean um,
1: EMI, I'm sorry. Uh, no, Magdalene's okay. that's Garden.
0: Like, that's like Body Mass Index. Um, now, you know, I gotta say, it's uh that was the first song that I wrote with my producer um now, I got my record deal when I was 42 years old, finally. So that was, I had given up music. I would already become a well-known, intuitive. and uh, But it was an opportunity for me to record some music. And that was the first song that I wrote with Eric Ross, who was best known for his successes with Tori Amos. And uh, most people don't recognize my voice because my speaking voice is very low. It's in the lower part of my register. But I have an almost a five-octave singing range. So I'm, I'm so happy you played that. <laughs>
1: Well, it's beautiful music. I love it. I, I encourage everybody to listen to your music. I miss uh, music. Not just by your book. I mean, you know, it's quite an experience. I uh, I spent my time looking at the map. Listening to your CDs and the computer while I was doing so um, because I hadn't been exposed to your music. I enjoy it very much. All right. Let's get to your book, The Map Finding the Magic and Meaning in the Story of Your Life. And that is I mean, that's the book. You state in the book, quote, there's no detour around suffering and painful lessons or the distressing landscapes of our lives, close quote. Flesh that out for us. Unpack it. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Life sucks oh. and then you die?
0: No, actually, um, it was more of a statement that it has a lot of weight to it. In that, particularly, the new age movement has been very much geared towards uh, saying that what you think that if you just think everything is happy all the time, it just has to be that you that you in some are, or that if you manifest some trouble in your life, it's all your fault. So, my point is is that life will bring. Every experience to you, including suffering, um, and that to try to pretend that it doesn't, or to try to deny it, or to try to, or, to, or to in some way, um, you know, say that all you do your entire day should be wiggle your nose and everything should be fabulous. It's just not the, that's not true. So I love it. I um, love it. It's BS. It's just so that's, I'm, that's... I really take great offense to this law of attraction stuff. <laughs> that cool. you know. I do. I just uh, I just feel that it is such a um harmful. I mean it's 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 not a fully flushed out idea. I think it's only it's only true to a degree and so that is why I tell people that not there's they have not done anything wrong. Life you live between two very specific pillars. One I create my own reality, and two, I surrender to life on life's terms. You have to do both. You cannot just say, "I'm going to do what I want and have it turn out exactly the way I want." And if I'm not, I'm not manifesting right. You know, it's about our reactions and our responses, and every single feeling, and and um, is is as important than the next. Everything is colored. If you, you can't just have one color in the world, so suffering, I fa- I feel, I feel that in our darkest, most difficult perilous moments is sometimes where the greatest treasure lies. And so to to flush it away or to push it away or to deny its impact on you denies you a fully realized experience.
1: I couldn't concur more, Uh, (laughs) truthfully. All right, you have some exercises designed to orient, you know, a person in their personal maps. (laughs) Tell us about that what what do we do how does it work what, what should we expect to find
0: so the, the book is really um, it, it is it provokes you or invites you to a- ask three questions where are you when are you and who are you listening to the first question when you orient yourself on your map is is where are you so what I say is that you know, We assume that we live in our physical bodies, in the physical environment that we live in, but two people can be sitting side by side in chairs, same room, same scenery, but one person's internal landscape is very tumultuous and stormy while the other person's is quite happy. Which environment is more powerful, the one of the mind or the one of the physicality? And I say it's the one of the mind. So I use this. If this is true, then perhaps we could describe our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs with environmental archetypes, so like uh, symbolism. And then if that is true, if we can look at it that way, then all of a sudden we become an observer. So we can say, where am I? And then what can I learn from that environment so that you're you're less personalized all the time? The whole point of the book of the orientation piece or the map itself was to invite us away from this constant staring at our navels or at our mirrors. Using you know, up till now we've all talked about the personas, the archetype of the warrior, the the victim, the this or that. But you know, we don't really look at environment, and it's true even for our our, our lives outside. You know, we we've forgotten what it's like to be connected to the environment that we inhabit physically too. So I sort of I, I take people into this place. It's a series of places that you inhabit and that then becomes a story that then can be shown on a map. So the, where are you, for example, the desert, this is a one that I I find really interesting is a lot of people saying, Oh, you know, nothing is happening. I'm, I say, well, describe it. You say, well, I'm miserable. I said, well, describe that. Well, okay okay, it's dry, I'm in a desert, nothing's happening, so I'm in a desert, so then what's it like? Well, it's really hot, and I, everything is so dry. So I say, okay, fine, let's stop right there. When well, you describe it like it's a desert? But what thrives in a desert? Cactus thrives in a desert. You know, there are, there are creatures in the desert. What can you learn from them that can actually learn to adapt to those landscapes? So then we realize that if we can adapt and find treasure anywhere, in the most painful places, like I call the Valley of Loss, where we go there, where we think we're never going to go anywhere else it's a, just another place to discover ourselves through and once we see that these each place that we that we travel through because it's always an evolution of continuity there's never you never stay in one place forever it changes the the, the environment changes the weather changes so once you can see that you realize that you're never stuck anywhere you can always move on, and you can you can find yourself in a much more neutral position to observe. You did that in your latest book. You ask people to observe their thoughts, to observe their beliefs, and I do it in a similar way in this book using a very different technique. But it's the same thing. Only we're asking them to visualize this through symbolism, you, which is all you, Jungian, right? So it's just from Carl Jung's work. So um, right.
1: It's a very, very powerful way to do it, because as you point out, it it does give the participant the ability to distance themselves and become the observer. And sometimes that's the most critical and the most difficult thing that any and all of us have to do is gain the perspective to view ourselves from another's perspective in, in an objective way without being, you know, continually involved i i like how you did that and i love i love the metaphor the development of the metaphor and speaking of metaphors <laughs> You speak about spirit as though it were a reliable GPS somehow tapped into what I, I guess I just would think a higher satellite system. <laughs> you say that it speaks to us through intuition. What What do you tell someone who finds their intuition lost and forgotten or worse yet, uh, forecasting shortages, impending dangers, and overall doom and gloom with every other thought?
0: Wow. Well, first of all, um you know, there's there's a lot of debris that. Uh, well, I- intuition is is is. Uh, I just want to say that it's ephemeral. There's a there. It is not something that you can just zap. Now, I'm used to doing this. Like when I'm like doing readings, for example, I tap into a very specific um, frame, right? Uh, you know, of of potentiality, and I know where to look. But you know, on a day to day level, I can sometimes not trust my intuition as well. So the idea, though, that there is a higher self that goes beyond the um the human desire the egoistic desire for uh, results for example or that or our logical mind that says a plus b should always equal c when the intuitive mind says yes but if we, the but z is where we need to be going right now guys and then we find out later that we um you know we were uh, we avoided an accident for example so so there's this i consider that there's this you know invisible consciousness that we could tap into that is that has this Um, impersonal knowledge, by the way, that is personalized to us, that is protective. So I I wanted to be clear that because spirit is a funny word, you know, it's people tend to think of religious, a religious God that is either punitive or gives gifts like Santa Claus. Um, um, And I'm saying that there's a there's an intelligence. So there's a there's a consciousness that I call spirit, but you can call it anything. The matrix, the, you know, the the GPS of of. Uh, of that which keeps you al- alive and functioning and and um, to the best of you that there is. There's that peace so that you align yourself with this. I know I'm sounding really obtuse right now. but uh,
1: No, actually, but, you're not. <laughs> that, okay, that's yes. pretty, pretty good. We understand. We could even use the Jung, Jungian capital view unconscious, the collective consciousness. Right, but okay. No. Yeah. No, yes, I, I, you, I you're, you're not.
0: I see it more like that. Um, uh, I've had. Yeah. So it's much more about that, that there is that that—and our, our intuition is very I think that I'm not sure which video that you put up there, but I'm, I'm wondering if it is the um, also the way you can test your intuition is it, intuition always just feels like the truth. It just resonates in the body as just is. So and it, it doesn't come with an intellectual um, action. It's not something you think it's something, you know. So, um, and all of us get blocked on our personal intuition every once in a while because we want something whenever we want something to be true, or we think something, our intuition is not in the same faculty. It doesn't come from that. One comes from desire. The other comes from one comes from the intellect. So somewhere in between is this really strange, you know, little system that goes, you know, hello. (laughs) So, so, and I also believe too, that what I'm talking about in there about that compass, about, Being a little bit more in alignment with what's best for everyone, I think, too, if you just want to say it in layman's terms, it's, you know, there's a greater, there is a greater good for us all. And and so we can look at that spirit or the greater good is also the thing that we align ourselves with.
1: Well, now you say greater good. You divide me here. We've got phone calls. I'd like to take a few yeah. of those. We've got questions out of the chat room, but I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to be a little bit selfish here because first we, I'm glad you mentioned the video. We have to get back, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know I have this issue. Uh, you and I seem to share some of the same pet peeves. I'll put that in quotation marks about. Okay. Uh, what, you know, often I just think is a kind of miasma of the new age, you know, but here we go. <clears throat> I, I happen to subscribe to the notion that there is such a thing as, you know, virtue, a <clears throat> universal right, if you will.
0: I agree. And, and, and I'm,
1: you do agree. You don't see things in, in a culturally relative way.
0: No, I agree 100% that there is a, a level of virtue. Um, there is definitely a level of virtue that what is right and what is wrong. I mean, they're really what is life of life affirming or life. Yeah, I do. I believe that.
1: Great, great, great that, that, you know, Neil Donald Walsh. And I've been at that one, I think, for about a year. He's on one side. I'm on the other side. So I'm, I'm glad to hear but that. But I'm
0: somewhere in the middle of the two of you, by the way. <laughs> so, you are.
1: How do you get in the middle? I've,
0: I've read your. I've read your debate. With him, right? I've read Uh your debate. And, and so and, and I read that because you wrote about that in your book in your latest book. So that's true. um, So I, I found his answer to be, well, I didn't agree with his answer. But I also felt that was at that section of your book where you talked about abortion, I think so, um, or the idea of the right to life. And so um, so I had my own opinion about that. If you want to hear it, if you want to hear that about, that, well, I,
1: I'd love to, but I, I'm, I'm first going to take you back to your film. Okay. Uh, the film that we played in the chat room was about white lies, mm-hmm. little white lies. It's off of YouTube. I'm sure you remember it. Yes. So now the question is you had challenges for everyone. The question I have for you is, uh, have you ever told somebody you'd do something and you didn't do it?
0: Absolutely. And I've also told a white lie, and I've actually told a blatant lie. Now I've been in, now, but, uh, hear me out. I've been in recovery. I'm 25 years clean and sober, working a 12-step program. So, so it has become over time abhorrent to me to lie. So it is it is it to stay sober. I have to be truthful. This is what I believe, and to be integrous, I have to be truthful. Until I realize, until somebody teaches me that my truth is not true, that is really important to me is to tell the truth. But I have, in fact, and I've told—I've told my husband a white lie, like I didn't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't eat that cookie.
1: <laughs> All right, now let's let's go. It. I mean, from the white lie, I have to jump you to Shouldville. I love your metaphors, and you and you use one called Shouldville. And, yep. and for me, this is a terrific way to frame a codependent nature of how many yep. people you know build relationships divine define if you will should for us would you
0: sure so um the dynamic you, you you enter shouldville when you give away your power in order to manipulate your needs from someone else when you cannot ask for your when when in fact you are afraid to ask for your needs for example and you figure well if i if i love this person then they will love me back. That's a perfect way about Shudville. So, and all, the sense of feeling indentured to another person, too, or that you feel that you have to, in fact, be a certain way to please someone. People pleasers enter. You know, they have their. I always say their primary residence is in Shudville. Right. So, yeah. um, and uh, you know, and and also too, when we um, when we are not truthful about. What we believe about ourselves, when we, when we don't tell ourselves the truth, when we're in denial, we can enter into Shudville as well, too, when we're in denial about something.
1: All right, let's, let's uh, take a phone call, get a question out of the chat room. I'm going to go to the chat room first. Sharon in the chat room says, do you uh, have to look at your old script and understand it before you can start on a new script? If you want to change it completely.
0: Oh, that's, an, that's a good question. So the language is similar and different. Of course, we're talking about storytelling. The, my book talks about a way for you to create an adventure story using uh, some, some, sometimes fairy tale archetypes and metaphors and symbols um, so that you can create a new narrative for yourself. So I think that, you know, know thyself is, is that, I, I love what that guy said, he, he tattooed know thyself. How do you change a story that you don't know and that you would not be conscious of? Um, Jung said, you know, what whatever we don't bring to consciousness seemingly comes to us as fate. So I say knowing your experience and be, you know having an objective view of yourself is keen and very important for you to recognize where you've been in order to decide or to shift a, you know, a lens, if you will, of the story so I've had a story before that I believed about myself as a victim I was gang raped when I was 19 I'm a recovered addict so I was a drug addict all these awful things happened to me which were all true by the way but I look at it today very, very differently, and I have a completely different viewpoint of that. So my story, I cannot change the events, but my perspective of the events have tra- changed drastically. So the narrative or the script today, if you will, I have written myself a new script. It's, I'm pretty much a, a blank page. I'm a learning every day, but I don't unconsciously continue the same story as before. But I had to look at myself, and I think self-reflection is very, very important.
1: All right, let's grab a quick phone call. We have Judy on line three from Akron, Ohio. Judy, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. You have a question for Colette.
2: Yes, I do. I follow her <laughs> completely all the time, and I'm really Bye, glad honey. to have her on I was a girl that you were moving to East Coast on my birthday, and you had a <laughs> you had a rerun on your show. But anyway, my question is, do you think that people with your abilities are born with these or that they can be learned and practiced?
0: Both, both. <laughs> both. I think every human being is because I think I have an aptitude. Like I can't count. I'm mathematically challenged, but I can talk to your dead grandfather. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's right. like we. I think these are. This is an aptitude. I do believe some of us are born with, like, with that extra tuning fork, if you will. But it is something that I believe you can, um, if you're called to it, you can develop through meditation, through you know, honing. That's that that ability to tune in that channel so both are true i think i would say yes and yes
2: okay um i have different things like i think i am being called to heal but i also can get messages from the other side once in a while <laughs> um psychometry but i can't focus on any one thing i don't understand how to settle down into one
0: you don't i did i don't i never settled down into any of them Um, They just came at me and I went, oh, wow, that's weird. And that's the way it started. (laughs) So it's like, oh, a little, listen, I always believe a little of this, a little of that, and you'll see what fits. You know, I do all of it. And I mean, gosh, I've been doing readings for 22 years now. I've read over 33,000 people. And it was only five or six years ago that I'd actually say out loud that I know for sure that I'm doing mediumship now because I was very skeptical.
2: Right.
0: So just throw yourself into it. Listen, come to the Psychic 2.0 boot camp. At Omega in June, July. There's, I'm doing a three day weekend where I'm going to teach you all kinds of ways to tune in, and all you're going to be doing all weekend is getting readings and doing them. All
1: right, we're running out of time. Judy, we appreciate your phone call. Bye. Thank you. Love you too. Thanks. Uh, Colette, in 30 mm. seconds, tell everybody how to contact you, where your website is, and, and go ahead tell everybody about this Omega event that you're involved in.
0: Sure. It's ColetteBaronReed.com. You can find me right here on the Hay House Radio website, too. And by the way, to, tonight I'm starting weight loss for people who feel too much. If you've had difficulties with clairsentience or intuitive empathy and you carry the weight of the world on your shoulders, come and join me for a five-week online seminar. It'll change your life. Um, the map you can find also if you go to themaplaunch.com, dot com, you can get my book and that's it.
1: That's it. Well my that's, no, that's my
0: events are on my page. I have so many events I can't remember what we just said.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and that is only the beginning. Colette that Barron read the book, <laughs> The Map, Finding the Magic and Meaning in the Story of Your Life. It's a great read. You'll enjoy it. I recommend it. I thank you, uh, all of you, uh, Colette, especially, for appearing on the show today. We've come to the end of an hour or another hour of provocative enlightenment. And I want to invite you all uh, to check out the website, eldentaylor.com. Follow the links to go to Colette. Go to Colette Barron's uh, uh, Reads website directly. But remember, until next time, wherever you are in the world, believing in yourself always matters.